0: This morning we are on week three of our series of called Foundations, and so uh, this week we're going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit. The first week we talked about uh, the Bible, second week we talked about prayer, and this week we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, or you can follow along on the screen. It says here, it says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the own spirit within them? In the same way, no, no one knows the thoughts of God, right, except the Spirit of God. Imagine that, not knowing the thoughts of God. I'm calling this morning, coming back to the basics of the Holy Spirit. But before we uh, continue, let's just open up in prayer. Yeah, we're just, wow, so thankful for today. We're so thankful for this beautiful weather today, Lord. We're so thankful for all the people that have come into this place today to hear about the Word of God. Lord, we just pray that you fill this place up. Fill this place up, overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit today. Allow us to uh, leave here different than when we walked in here, God, because we know you've got good plans for us, each and every one of us. Not one of us here is going to be left behind because of that. Lord, we just know that you're doing amazing things in all of our lives. We're just so thankful for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so while Pastor Dan is gone, I wanted to uh, talk about Pastor Dan. So let me uh, get a chair, and we're just going to hash it out. No, no. I love Pastor Dan, don't you? I've known Pastor Dan a long time. Probably longer than most of us in this room. I've known him for about 15, 16 years. Uh, we worked together in uh, Spokane. He was a young worship leader at the time, right? He has this talent. You might know. He plays the piano. It's kind of good, right? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. One of my favorite memories of those days is uh, we went camping. Uh, it was the Folsom family and the Birch family. And at the time, you have to realize, Trevin, he was like, he was like four, so this was a long time ago, and we went camping, and we were camping in Idaho. I don't remember the name of the park, but it was in Idaho, and I didn't know much about Dan at the time. We were just starting to hang out, you know, and we were just doing some camping, and it was really fun. We had a lot of fun, uh, but one time when we were camping, we had this fire going in the fire pit, and it was one of those like low, really low fires. It was just the embers. It was just like, but it was still hot, like all that white coal and wood that was in the fire, and it was hot. But there was no flames. It was just embers. But it was still hot enough to cook on it. And it was one of those fire pits that had that metal grate above it. You know what I'm talking about? And what we did is we had the most amazing meat that we were going to put on this barbecue, on this fire grill. We had the most amazing meat. So we had to lay out a, a, a thing of foil on the grate, and we put on that on the fire on a piece of tin foil. We had the most amazing meat, and it's called bacon. Oh, and we had this bright idea, right? We're going to cook bacon on an open fire. (laughs) So, as we're cooking bacon, and I don't know if you've ever cooked bacon before. I'm sure everyone in here has. As you're cooking bacon, the grease, it kind of just like pours out of the bacon, right? And it gets everywhere. That's why people save their bacon grease, because there's so much of it. And it was like, And we're watching this bacon grease, you know, and it's just a little flame. No flames, just little coals. And it's getting closer and closer to the edge. And then just one drop of bacon grease came down, followed by a couple of more. And then what do you think happened? Yeah, it went, it like, it was engulfed in fire out of nothing. And I remember Pastor Dan, this is all I knew about him. He just reached into that fire. And he grabbed the bacon out. He literally, I kid you not, saved our bacon. (laughs) Now, there's a picture of it. Quite young, right? Good looking man. Getting his fingers tended to because, yeah, he got singed. You have to understand something, though. Pastor Dan, at the time, he made his living playing the piano. And so this is what happened. he out of just reaction, he just reached in there and grabbed it. He pulled out the bacon, and he did have to get his fingers patched up a little bit. Luckily, uh, he was married to a nurse, right? And so, it was good. He was in good hands. He was in good hands. And I just remember him saying, don't tell our boss about this, because, you know, he had to play the piano still. I didn't know much about Dan at the time. I did know he liked playing the piano. He was good at it. And I had just realized, I had just learned, that he loved bacon. (laughs) But I didn't know him as a person. I knew the things he did, but I couldn't describe him as a person. This is the way that many Christians feel about the Holy Spirit. We know the things the Holy Spirit does. But we don't know him as a person. you got to remember the Holy Spirit, right? He's the third part of the Holy Trinity. It's Jesus, it's God the Father, and it's the Holy Spirit, three in one. We know what the Holy Spirit does. We've read about it in the Bible. We see it evident in our lives. But do we know the Holy Spirit? We're going to learn more about him right now. First, he's all-powerful. We see the effect and the power of his presence at that mysterious and that awesome moment of creation at the very beginning. In Genesis 1 2, it says this, the very beginning. Genesis 1 2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Hovering over the waters. That creative power of the Holy Spirit and bringing the physical world into existence was not God's ultimate concern. He knew that man and woman would be man and woman. He knew we would be sinful. We'd become morally corrupt. We would be spiritually dead. But in His love and in His mercy, God, through His Spirit, hovers over every single one of us. Hovers, hovers over every single lost person, just like over the water. And when he does that, he brings life out of death. The Holy Spirit lives inside us corporately as a church, as well as individually. In 1 Corinthians 3.16 it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Here we have Paul telling the Corinthians, don't you know? I love that when Paul says, don't you know? You're just like, ah, yeah, I guess. Don't you know? Don't you realize that when you become believers that the Spirit entered the bodies individually and was present corporately when they came together to worship? Yeah, amazing? We know the Holy Spirit lives in us individually, but it's also corporately when we come together, when we gather together. The Spirit of God doesn't live in the building. The walls can burn down. But when we gather together, the Spirit of God is there. It's in our gatherings. We are the present dwelling place for God. This is one of the most astounding truths of the Word of God. Just as the Holy of Holies was the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament, you've got to remember the Old Testament temple... You have the Holy of Holies. There was a temple, right? The Holy of Holies was the little room in the middle of the temple that nobody can go into. It was separated by that veil. But then the veil torn, right? That was Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus, doesn't live in this place. This is a place that the Spirit of God lived in that only the priests can go see. We couldn't even be around the Spirit of God. But then Jesus died and he rose for us and he gave us that Spirit of God. So when the scripture says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in our midst? The temple is not the structure in which believers meet to worship. Rather, Christians themselves, each and every one of us, we are God's temple. Why? Why are we God's temple? Because the spirit of God lives inside of us. As a Christian, no matter how weak, no matter how feeble, no matter how poor or helpless, how lost we could become, frustrated we feel, and trust me, we all feel frustrated at times. No matter how inadequate, incapable, incompetent, or ineffective you feel, that's a lot of things. But the Spirit of God is still living inside of you. Why does He live inside of us? so that way we might develop the character of God the fruit of the spirit the reproduction of the character of Jesus Christ right to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to be the voice of Jesus to walk to talk like Jesus Christians bodies are the temples of the holy spirit and when with Christians with the Spirit living inside of them, when they gather as we are doing this morning, the whole congregation, the congregation, becomes a great temple of the Holy Spirit. The center of the presence of God. The center of divine activity in this whole community is right here this morning, right here, because God, the Spirit, is present when these people are gathered together like we are. We don't have to be in here. We can go outside. We can go down the street. We can gather together at the park over at Five Mile. That's where, when we're gathering together, the presence of God is there. The Bible speaks of three spiritual temples. There's a universal church, which is mentioned in Ephesians 2.20. The local church collectively, which is what we just talked about in 1 Corinthians 3.16. A temple is where the presence of God resides. These three temples are to be constantly built up spiritually, which is why we spend time in prayer, which is why we spend time reading the scriptures, which is why we spend time uh, together with other Christians so we can build one another up. We could have that spiritual building. Not a physical building, but the people collectively. The third of those spiritual temples is the body of the individual Christian. This is mentioned in 1 Corinthians six, nineteen through twenty. Paul asks a question in First Corinthians, and it says this, once again, Do you not know? I love that. That your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's a tough piece of scripture. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. For a lot of people that doesn't stick well. What do you mean I'm not my own? Your body is a temple, and this is a true of every believer, the instant that they are saved through grace and by grace through faith. In John two nineteen and twenty it says this Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years. This is the disciples. This has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to raise it in three days? But now we know that he spoke of the temple was his body. He, Jesus, the Son of God, had a real human body. And that body was the sanctuary. He was God in, human, in a human body. And when he died, he rose three days later, and he saved all of us believers. Because of that, we don't have the promise of eternal life with God, right? He claims our bodies and sent his Holy Spirit down to live in the body of all believers. He says, your body, this is Jesus, he says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit body is a temple of the holy spirit. Now do we think about this as much as we should? Do we think about it at all? If this was something that we thought about a lot, the fact that the our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit. If we honestly, if we we looked back and we said, my body is a temple of the holy spirit. If we thought about this a lot, would we be making the decisions that we be make that we're making? The unhealthy, the immoral, uh, the list goes on and on and on, right? Would we be making those decisions if we thought all all the time that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? If we were thinking, well, God's inside of me. Why did I just say this to somebody? Why did I honk my horn at somebody? Why did I have bad thoughts about somebody? Why did I, whatever it might be, right? Every church is different, right? Every church. I've uh, worked for several churches, and I've been to countless churches. And one thing I know for sure is that there are no two churches that are the same. We're even planting a Lifespring campus in Frederickson. And even it is different, a little bit. Christians, they think of the church as a sanctuary sometimes, set apart for the work of the Lord. You step in from outside, and sometimes you see people, they take their hats off, for you realize that you're in a sanctuary. We teach our kids, I was raised Catholic, and I remember this was a big no-no. We did not run around the church as a kid. Ooh. We teach our kids not to run around and play in the church. It's why I say every church is different because we love our kids running around and playing in the church here. We've got toys for them in the back to go run around and play with. But so we have these ideas because the church building is the house where we meet God and we should act a certain way. But I'll think on this for a moment. If your body is a sanctuary, if your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, this revelation becomes eye-opening now. Does this mean that I can just I can act any way I want outside of these walls, but then the moment I walk in here, I have to be different. I have to be pious. I have to be whatever it is, right? No. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of me. Not just when I walk into this place, but He lives inside of me Always. He's living inside of me when I'm driving on I-5. He's living inside of me when I'm having uh, talks with my children or with my wife or, or whatever it might be. He is in me, and so you have to... And He's inside of you guys, and so you have to just remember that. Well, how do we get through this life with God living inside of us? How can we do this on our own power? And that's the beautiful part, because you cannot do this on your own. You cannot live the Christian life on your own. Now that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, He wants to help you. And I love that because I just love help. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. This is great news. It says in John fourteen sixteen, and I will ask the Father. This is Jesus. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. You mean I can live out the Christian life with God helping me from the inside? sounds like a good deal. As I was preparing this message, actually, I was stuck for a while. I, uh, I, I start to pray and start to write my messages on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, and as I was working on this message, I was stuck for about four hours on Good Morning Life Spring. <laughs> I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what I was trying to write on, but I was stuck there. And I was just looking at that blank screen, and it was like, It became like lunchtime, and and Lucinda, her office is down the hall from my office, and she came in, and she's looking at my screen, and she said, Wow, you're you're far. (laughs) She said, Are you sure you want to do this for a living? So I had to spend some time in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf, to help me, and he did help me. A song had come on the radio in that moment while I was praying and that song, and and it pointed me into a direction. Now, this is just one example, but I don't know about you, but I have to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help me a lot because I'm a mess, right? I mean, we are messes, and we need to have the Holy Spirit to help us. Not just once in a while, but on a daily basis. Asking the Holy Spirit for help is a part of my walk with God. Just, just as much as prayer and reading the Bible and spending time with other Christians, but asking for help from the Holy Spirit is a part of that daily walk. And Scripture doesn't say that he's going to send a helper for a day or for a week or on Sunday morning. He said forever. That is great news. Forever. And he doesn't get bored. He doesn't tire He's just waiting for you to ask for help. What about praying? Who here ever feels weak? Who here has ever had a cold heart? You know, you don't have to raise your hands, but I'm certainly raising my hands because it's true. I mean, over the years, I've had a cold heart. I've felt weak. Have you ever thought that I'll wait until I I don't feel weak or until for my heart to thaw before I pray? As humans, we tend to wait for that perfect moment, right, before we do something. I remember we were buying a house, and, and Lucinda, she kept wanting to, oh, I want to wait till our credit is at this point, which was like, well, this seemed crazy. And then I want to wait till we have this much money in the bank account, and I want to wait till, you know, all of these things lined up. We tend to wait for that perfect moment when I said, let's just do it. Let's just go buy a house. Let's just try it. And we did and we were able to get a house before this craziness of the market, of the housing market happened. And so that was the perfect moment. But when you're looking at it as a human, you're waiting for these other perfect moments, all these things to line up before you do something. Why would God want to hear about my weakness? Why do we wait until that weakness is gone on our own power before we give it to God? In Romans 8.26, it says this, In the same way, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Church, never stop praying for any reason. Even if you don't have the right words to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. God knows what we need, and the Holy Spirit helps us even if we don't realize what we need. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit knows. God knows, and He's in you. All you have to say is, help me. And maybe it doesn't come out as words. As Scripture says, maybe it comes out as wordless groans. But God knows your heart, and God knows what you're saying. Oftentimes we do not know how to pray as we should. Last week we spoke of prayer. We tend to pray selfishly at times. We tend to pray from our weakness. Hmm. I'm, there's. I was reading a thing where people are praying for. Uh, what Was it praying for to win the lottery, praying to. All these different things, uh, you know, that are just like superficial stuff, right? But once again, the Spirit of God comes alongside us to assist us in our weakness, interceding for us with groanings which we cannot find expression. In Romans 15 13, it says this: May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this piece of Scripture. It is simply beautiful and it speaks so much life. It says we have a God. This is what this means. It says we have a God of hope. A God of hope. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can pray for that filling of joy. That, f- that filling of joy and peace. And the result of that is what? What is the result of that filling of peace and that filling of joy? It turns out it's an overflowing hope. Overflowing What does that look like in a Christian's life? Overflowing hope. What a beautiful way to live. Overflowing. Too many Christians, they go to church on Sunday morning feeling defeated and hopeless and they go to church for that refilling. But what if you would come to church already full? Because you already have that power living inside of you. What would happen? You would not leave here full, but you would leave here overfilled, overflowing. A wise pastor told me a few weeks ago, he was on his way to church, and he was listening to worship on his way to church, and his kids were with them. and the kids said, Dad, why are we listening to worship? We're going to church right now. he says, well, I want to get there filled. Because whatever I receive at that church today is going to be extra. It's going to be that overflowing. I want to go into that place filled up. And what happens when something is overflowing? When you take a glass of water and you put it on your counter and you fill it up and it starts overflowing, what happens? It gets everywhere and it affects everything. Let's live like that, church. Let's live like that with the Holy Spirit just overflowing out of us and changing the world around us, making a mess. That's great. That's great. And just changing things around us. This next piece of scripture, you should all be familiar to you because uh, we've read this a few times at this church. And to my knowledge, this is the first time we were actually preaching on it. So it's kind of interesting. Ephesians 3.20. Let's uh, read this all out together, shall we? Just like we normally do. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do far more above What we ask or imagine. Our minds, we're humans, our minds are limited. They're feeble compared to the vastness of God. So we have to, so we have a God who can do much more than we can ask or imagine. I love that. Much more than we can ask or imagine. I can ask for a lot, I can imagine even more. And God's saying, I got this. We're going to do more. I got more than that. Stuff that we can't even imagine. That is the power that is at work within us as Christians. That is the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. This is the power that raised Christ from the dead and gave life to us when we were dead to our sin. God gives us so much more, and it is shown throughout the Bible. In the Bible, there's Jacob, right? He, he kneels and he prays and he asks the Lord to give him bread to eat and raiment to put on, clothes to put on. And what did God give him? When he came back to Bethel, he had two bands, thousands of sheeps and camels and much wealth. He just asked for bread to eat and clothes to wear. And he came back. And God said, I've got much more than you for that. You're good. In Matthew 9, two, they brought a man to Christ sick of the palsy and asked him to heal him. And he said, son, thy sins are forgiven. He had not asked that. He didn't ask to be forgiven. He asked to be healed. But God had greater things for him. There are many more stories like this in the Bible. There's many more stories like this in our lives today of everybody in this room. God has much more for you. Sometimes it takes a long time to see it. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you're praying about something and it it can be Years. It could be decades. And then you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I saw what you did there. That's pretty sneaky of you, God. I see that now. Sometimes we have to have that 50,000-foot level to see what God is doing. And if we get a 50,000-foot level, God's eye level is way beyond that. My last point this morning that I wanted to talk about is the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. I love that. Everything always points back to Jesus. The book of John talks about this. It says in John fourteen twenty six, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Spirit came to the disciples in power only after Jesus had gone. You have to understand the value of this statement because they didn't have, um, they didn't have a, a store, a local office supply store, a Home Depot or anything like that to go to to get the supplies that they need, to write down everything, every word Jesus has said. They didn't have a phone that they can record Jesus. They didn't have a tape recorder to say, Okay, Jesus, you keep talking. I'm going to keep recording you. They didn't have any of that stuff. All they had was the power of the Holy Spirit to remind them of what Jesus said. This is the clear way by which the Spirit is distinguished from the Son. The Spirit teaches disciples about Jesus and helps us to recall his teachings. The Spirit does not take us away from Christ, but reminds us of Christ. Even Jesus said that his words are full of spirit and life. I love the scripture. In John 6, 63, the spirit of life, or the spirit gives life, 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 church. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Filled with spirit and life. The Holy Spirit wants to remind us of that. Remind us of Jesus' words. As I close this morning, I want to invite the worship team up. In John fifteen twenty six, it says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth goes out from the Father, and he will testify about me. The voice of the church has always testified about him. And here we see that that testimony now is backed up by the Holy Spirit testifying through us now. Because we have the Spirit living in us. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, now we could go out of these walls and we can testify about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit's going to remind us of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to put the words of Jesus in our hearts. We can go to our families, we can go to our friends, we can go to our neighbors... And we can talk about Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. Even though the world rejected Jesus, and sometimes, even in this world today, there are people who reject Jesus. The Spirit, though, characterized by truth, would bear witness that Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God. Can we do all of this? The Spirit would do all of this. He came on the day of Pentecost. After that, the disciples would testify also empowered by the Spirit. Church, you have that Spirit in you right now. You have that power in you right now. If you have accepted Jesus into your life, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Let's allow Him to speak to others. We, we tend to put the Holy Spirit into a box because we're afraid. We're frightened. We don't understand the Holy Spirit. We know that he's living inside of us, and we know that he's watching our decisions, and he's trying to help us when we ask for it, but we don't ask for it sometimes. And so we try to put the Holy Spirit in a box and just kind of put him out into the corner. We're stubborn people. We need to let the Holy Spirit out. We need to let the Holy Spirit to help us. We need to ask for that help. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to be our voice. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to lead our actions and to change the world around us. Allow it to just fill us up constantly. We're going to do a couple things this morning. First, when when we start the song, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit... Like to do that now? We have a prayer team that's available for that. I'm also available for that. We would love to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where is our prayer team? I'd like to invite them up as well, so that they're ready. It'll change your life. You might be saying, "Yeah, I'm Christian, but I I, I haven't. I'm not sure if I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit." Well leave here if you have that question don't leave here if you have that doubt come up when we're singing the song come up and we would love to pray for you we would love to baptize you in that as we close in prayer with our heads down and the music playing I just want to talk to you for a moment I was thinking about the bacon on the fire and how much it it didn't take to engulf in a flame. It started with a drop and then a little bit more. It started with a drop and a little bit more. Maybe right now you came into this room today, you came into the church today as that small, smoldering fire. And you want that drop and a little bit until you are engulfed and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, I want to pray for you right now. So if that's you with your heads down in this place of safety, and your eyes closed, just raise your hand. I want to be able to pray for you. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Dear Father, we are believers in your Son, Jesus. And God, right now, we pray in his name. We pray in his name, in the name of Jesus, for the refilling of the Holy Spirit, Lord. It's been a crazy week, God, but we know you're all over it, and we just love you so much, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, for your spirit to fill us up, not just to full, but to overflowing through us, around us, surrounding us as we go about our day, Lord. Allow us to rely on each day this week and remind us of your spirit living inside us we need to rely on you we need to put our focus on you Lord I I just think I picture the, the horses with the blinders on so that way they can't see around them God that's what we need as people we need the blinders so we can avoid all, this, all the craziness around us and we need to just have those blinders so we need to be focused on you on the name of Jesus we need to be focused on the face of Jesus Lord because when we do that when we focus on Jesus guess what God, we we become the hands of Jesus. We become the feet of Jesus, the voice of Jesus. And Lord, we need Jesus right now in this world, more than ever. So God, I pray for everyone here who raised their hands. Lord, I pray that they have that filling up, beyond full, overflowing Spirit of God in their lives. We love you so much, God. And we pray these things in your name.